What is real? What is not real? And what is only acceptably real? This is the Acceptably Real Podcast with Joe and Jerry on Anchor FM. Hello, Joe. Hey, Jerry. Hey, it's podcasting time again. (laughs) So today, our listeners should know that we were talking about something, um, I don't know, it'd be controversial. Is it? Uh, it's questionable. Yeah. So immortality, ladies and gentlemen, living forever, or at least living for a long, long time. It, from what we've been reading is something that could happen. What? What? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're really narrowing down the causes of aging and, and even, uh, even think that there's ways to stop it. What are you talking about, Jared? Because in my head, I think that we're all going to die because of just the way it is. Well, are you telling me? Are you telling me that somebody actually can can try to stop that? It's hard to believe. I I think it can be done, uh, but I think the questions that we should ask is: Should it be done? Ooh, we live on a very finite planet even though it doesn't seem like it, but it's becoming more and more obvious that our resources are not limitless and our population is growing exponentially. Although some people say that it's, there's, there's a a school of thought saying that there's a limit, there's a self limit and it will cap and start reducing itself. Huh? Well, I don't know anything about that. So (laughs) Um, I'm interested in the school of thought, though, because I wonder how that would work. I mean, to me, when you say what you say, I I picture myself as a little school child, you know, in my desk in the classroom. And I see my teacher drawing the rabbits, you know, the rabbit diagram on the chalkboard. Mm. And you see how many rabbits populate from just two rabbits, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so what you're saying is that there's a school of thought that just says, well, at some point, it's just going to stop being that way. I don't really know enough about it to speak on it with authority, but apparently there is a school of thought saying that the, that there is a self-limiting um, angle to the whole thing where you will reach a certain point and it will naturally start to decline. I don't, I don't know if this is true. I'm just, I just brought that up. Dear listener, a quick aside. Where I got this from is a book called Empty Planet, The Shock of Global Population Decline by Daryl Brooker and John Ibbotson, it looks like. Boiling it down, it has a lot to do with social economical pressures as well as global decline in fertility. But I mean, so even even if there is a self-limiting thing, what happens when you throw immortality into the mix? And people stop dying, but they keep having babies. Should we let them have babies? That's who's, another question. Who's, who's going to say whether or not they can? Who's going to Who's going to be the one that says, "No, you can't have more babies," because that will be the person who gets shot at. Well, what if, <laughs> dude? That's a whole conundrum. That's a whole thing because because you know, a like how how does this process work? We, we, our listeners out there don't even know anything about this immortality thing. I don't even know anything about this immortality thing, but for, for this sake, for this argument, let's say that you could take a pill and you become immortal. I mean, but given the fact that you take that pill, maybe, you know, there's some condition where you can't have kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just where I'm coming from in that, in that sense. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's okay. So I I can't even imagine who would make that pill and then put a price tag on it. You know, I mean, you're, you're basically saying, okay, I'm going to make this pill. We've made this pill. We've patented this pill that if you take it, you will stop aging, maybe even reverse aging. Hmm. Right. And, but we're going to charge you for it. So now you've, You've established 
the cost of being alive or extending your life and who's going to be able to afford that. And I, I strongly suspect that this pill in some form kind of exists already. <laughs> and really? only a very few people know about it or can afford it. And they're a very small group and they're very, very secretive. Did you ever see that Bruce Willis movie with uh, Meryl Streep and who was it? Goldie Hawn? Man, that's Wh- before my time. Hang on. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's Wikipedia that. Um, I, I think it was called Death Becomes Her or something like that. Uh, and, Death Becomes Her. That is correct. Yeah. And so there is a secret society and um, they have a gift of immortality. And only certain people get it. And so they get to join this club and they're at this party and there's Elvis and there's Jim Morrison and there's, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's like you get it, but at a certain point you have to fake your death and then assume a different identity. And then like they were calling out Elvis because he kept on popping up, you know, Mm-hmm. And cheating, and, and there were Elvis sightings all over the place. I don't know if you that. I think that kind of died out, but in the eighties or nineties, there were still Elvis sightings going on. People were claiming he's still alive. I saw him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Sure, <laughs> it could be. I mean, I'm not saying that's real. It was just in the movie. Oh well, Tupac is probably in that group. You know, they they say there's Tupac sightings in. Uh, in Indonesia or somewhere over there. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you, you did some research on this, didn't you? Uh, sure I did. Um, I actually initially found out about all this crazy, crazy stuff, uh, from watching a Ted talk by a a gentleman named Aubrey de Grey. Um, and Aubrey works with this foundation called SENS. Um, and SENS stands for the, uh, Oh, strategies for engineered negligible, uh, negligible, negligible, uh, senescence research foundation. Uh huh. Um, basically one of the main goal is to transform the way the world researches and treats age related disease. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. And the reason it interested me so much is because when you're young, you have this idea drilled into your head that, you're, you're born and one day you're going to die, right? And a lot of people, they sometimes die of crazy, whatever, randomness, and then hopefully you die of old age, right? That's the best case scenario. But what if the best case scenario is that some smart people get together and they figure out what actually causes the aging process and the old age, um, and they, you know, they figure out how to get rid of it. They halt it. Yeah, or halt it. Yeah, and I guess really quick, uh, maybe I just run down this little list here, because those of you out there are probably thinking you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, we don't. But I'm interested in this topic. I'm, but we're interested in this topic, and so I would like to hear more about it. So let me just uh, fill your ear holes with some good knowledge. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So. There are basically seven types of aging damage, um, basically cell loss and cell atrophy, nuclear epimutations, mitochondrial mutations, that's three, death-resistant cells, extracellular crosslinks, extracellular aggregates, and intracellular aggregates. Um, and oh, You, you it, forgot cancerous. Yeah, yep, there's that. There's that. Um but, but basically, all of these things contribute to you growing older in old age. Maybe not growing older if you're still a young young little lad or lass, um, but growing past your prime, right? And well, yeah. They say after the age of 40, that's your body just starts slowly shutting everything off. So they, they think part of it is a brain related thing. There's like something in your brain goes, mm, okay, you're done. And just turn, turns a, a switch, but it's not that simple. There's not, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I, I'd uh, been reading about is that that's just one of the things. Right. 
But I mean, we can really dig into this or we can talk about, you know, what it would really be like to live that long. And I think that part's more interesting. Yeah. You know, because I mean, we're obviously not qualified to talk about sentience or sins or whatever it is. Right. But it doesn't mean we can't, right? It, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the philosophical approach to it to question whether it is acceptably real or, um, you know, whatever. So that's what we're going to do today. Anybody could ask the what if questions and that's what we're here for. What if everybody lived forever? Hmm. Is that too broad of a question? That's too broad. Yeah. Well, let's see if you had, Hey, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Cause you know, we're on anchor.fm now. Anchor.fm has an app that you can put on your phone, Android or iOS that you could, if you're listening to the podcast on it, or even if you just like find our podcast, you could send us a message directly from the app. You can just record a message and send it to us and we get it. And uh, so keeping that in mind, let's ask a question to the listeners. Maybe they'll answer. Maybe we could um, post uh, their answers in the next episode. Would you want to live forever? Hmm. Or if you could extend your life, how far would you want to extend it? Ooh, that's a good question. And if say, well, you, you actually have a, a question. We actually, um, full disclosure, we have show notes for this one because it was a rather complicated episode. <laughs> and Joe wrote, let's say you could become immortal, but there is one condition that you may never be able to die or kill yourself. Would you choose this? Wait, did I say that right? Right. Would you, would you pick, would you pick this, uh, to become immortal? Would you choose to, if that was your condition? Um, so basically you're like, you're like Cain from the Bible where you can't die no matter what. I'm actually writing a book about that right now, oddly enough. Hmm. Would you (laughs) care to share a few tidbits about your book? Well, it's, it's still in very early stages, but one of the characters, one of the main driving characters uh, has unknowingly um, drank and drank, 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 drank. <laughs> drank. <Not> drunk. <laughs> he, he sipped the nectar of the, um, the uh, fountain of youth. Hmm. So he can't die. Right. And so here it is 120 years later, and he's trying to find his way back there because he wants to see if he can undo it. Because he knows the world is about to end. And what's going to happen to him if he can't die and the world ends? Well, the world <laughs> meaning Earth or the world meaning yeah. everything? The, the, like the Earth gets destroyed and he can't die. What's just going to happen to him? What is What the heck is going to happen to him? So he yeah. wants to be able to die before that happens. So that's the, that's the quandary in that. And one of the... I don't know if I want to go too much into this, but one of the other characters who's helping him find this, uh, she is really strong on suicide prevention. And so when she finds out that one, he's immortal and two, he wants to commit suicide. She is furious, but she doesn't understand why he wants to. And so that's where this is going. And also there's mermaids in this. So, Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for Jerry's book of mermaids and a man who can never die. Yes. Anyway, back to reality. Do Mm. you have, do you have any questions that you want to explore in this? Well, we already kind of touched on it. I mean, should everyone be given this opportunity? Should it be monetized? If it, if everyone shouldn't be given this opportunity, then what criteria would you use to select the ones to live forever, right? So can any street rat named Aladdin, you know, go and and take this immortality stuff or? Sure, because he's a diamond in the rough, you know? Diamond in the rough. (laughs) Cue the Aladdin music. Um, (laughs) I was just about to sing it, (laughs) but I didn't. Uh, Okay, so let's, let's, um, hypothetical. So, you know, Bill Gates is like, he's no longer the richest person in the world, but he's up there and he's, he's spending 
millions, if not billions of dollars on medical research to help mankind. But he is also in the unique position of being able to afford the research for something like this. And if he attains it, then this hypothetical Bill Gates would be able to choose who gets it or even to let anybody know if it's happened or is he just going to have just his family and friends or is it going to be a club? Is he going to, so what would you do dear listener? If you were this Bill Gates dude who, who had this, how would, how would you handle it? Who would you, how would you do it? Because didn't we touch upon this on the last episode? Cause we were talking about, well, you'd have to like go to Mars or something. And I said, Mars sucks. <laughs> Nobody would yeah. want to live there. Well, obviously some people do. I'd like to visit mm-hmm. <laughs> live on Mars. Well, but I guess my, my opinion would be, you know, you'd select, you'd select the people who have, you know, invented the most product stuff or, you know, who've engineered the most items, who've done the most good for society, and how that's rated is beyond me. But you'd want to select the the doers of society less than the, you know, the non-doers of society. Because, I mean, really, are you just going to have people living forever who are just going to lay on their butts all day and and soak in the sun? I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. And I'm all about soaking in the sun. But... It'd be boring to do it forever. Wouldn't it just be a waste of resources? I mean, if I'm just being <laughs> yeah. honest. That's that's the whole thing. It's the resources. You know, we only have so much. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. I mean, unless the earth really is hollow or. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Come, let's, <laughs> let's, let's bring it in here. Bring it in here. Um, you never know. I mean, uh, one of the Facebook links that I, I wasn't sure if it was that I posted or you posted, uh, Jerry, but it was it was about um, Japan had landed on a rover or some type of oh, machine right. yeah. on an asteroid. And yeah. what I was thinking when I was reading this and I was I was like, Well, wouldn't it be crazy if they they found some kind of mineral, a tiny little mineral or something that this whole asteroid is composed of that that could fuel all of our, you know, automated, you know, machines and, and cars and planes and everything like, uh, like dark matter from Futurama. If you've seen Futurama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I, I mean, it's possible, you know, that that's really it. It's possible. So who knows, you know, maybe that could happen. Maybe that would cure, you know, help the resources thing. Um, first thing I thought of though, was the Andromeda strain. Ooh. <laughs> what if they bring it back and it's it turns your blood into sand? <laughs> yeah, you you posted another link about that too. We'll talk about it. We'll get to those later, I guess. But uh man, what a crazy what a crazy idea though. And I don't know if I would want to live forever. I think I'd want to live maybe to 175 tops. I mean, let's say that we don't have like you know we can't travel to the ends of the galaxy. We can, we still are only on earth, you know, maybe Mars, maybe the moon. But I mean, I think that that's plenty of time to, to see everything there is to see. What do you think? I mean, if you're being productive, that's, I mean, but also, I mean, if you're, if you're working on a project, a long-term project and it's going to take a hundred years to do it. And it's like this, it's a really good thing. That's going to benefit everybody. Maybe solve a lot of the problems we're actually talking about. Yeah. I would just keep going. I would just keep going. That, that, that was, that's the condition under which I would want to keep living past my normal span of say 90 years or whatever. Um, I could bring this back around to something that is totally acceptably real. You can live to about a hundred, right? right? And, uh, one of the other doctors from SENS, uh, Dr. Caleb Finch says, and I, I got this from the ologies podcast where he was interviewed bottom line. And, and I'm, I, this is an exact quote. I'm paraphrasing it, but bottom line is if you want to live a long time, 
He says, eat, just eat lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, go really easy on the protein, and avoid processed sugar as if it is deadly poison, because basically it is. Anything wow. that's got processed sugar in it causes inflammation. Inflammation is one of the leading causes of damage in your body, which is then part of the aging process. Wow. And aging is damage to the body. If you eliminate the things that are going to damage your body internally at a cellular structure, which is what refined sugar does, then your body will last longer. Like it's, you know, it's just like as if you, you take really good care of a, a mechanical device and keep it well oiled and, and it doesn't get rusty. And if it gets dirty, you clean it off so that nothing grinds or wears on it. It's going to last a long time. Your body's the same way. So this reads like, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, listening to this, um, I'm thinking about all these low carb diets, right? I'm thinking about all these low sugar diets and how all these people who are on these diets say, Hey, oh man, it feels like, I feel amazing. I feel like a new person. I feel like this is the way I should be feeling. I mean, I'm not advocating for low carb diets or anything. I mean, um, but I, I think you're right in terms of, you know, processed sugar, um, is, is very bad for you. I mean, uh, unfortunately it's in too many things in society right now. It is. So. And, and it's addictive. Very. It's um, addictive I read, like heroin. Yeah. I read, I read more addictive than, than those actually. Or, well, I, yeah, because, because it's always in your face. Yeah. And everybody's always offering it to you and there's advertisements always enticing you to eat more of it. It's a succubus. Uh, it, yeah. Okay. I, I could tell you from personal experience and I wish I could get myself to do this again, but for like five month period back in, I would say it was probably around 2010 around there. I went on this diet where I was eating only raw foods, raw um, foods, raw foods for breakfast and lunch, and then just a normal dinner. Right. But then I was also avoiding all processed sugar. So breakfast was, you know, veggies. Hmm, lunch of course, was of course, veggies and, and fruit, <laughs> right? Already sounds like the best, the best, most enjoyable thing. But, and, and then, and then, um, and then like, um, uh, just chicken, with with no like sauces or, or anything on it, just like some spices and more veggies or fish and veggies or even occasionally, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, something, some beef or something. But just doing that, I felt so much better. I felt amazing. And like my skin cleared up and I, I, I still use a picture from that period of time as a, as a professional, you know, uh, thumbnail on like corporate stuff, because I, I actually looked healthy. <laughs> I, um, I wish I could get myself to go back into that. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's too late now. No, you know? why would it be too late? Uh, I've already done so much damage to the, the old, the old body here. I don't know, man. I, I would do that challenge with you. I would, I would do a no processed sugar challenge. You if don't you know, you, you, you don't want to know how many cookies I ate today. <laughs> <laughs> I would win the challenge then. And, and the, the drinks that I've been drinking have, have sugar in it. Like, like my favorite drink right now is called a hundred year old cigar. Yeah, this is, I, I saw this on uh, Facebook or Instagram or all yeah. of your, your, uh, it's amazing. Feeds. It's amazing. It's a one and three fourths ounce of aged rum, um, a half ounce of some sort of, um, it's sugary. The rest of it's all sugary stuff. And then absinthe, which is probably the best thing for you on the list. <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and you, you probably know this by now. I think we maybe mentioned it in one of our earlier shows. Jerry does have a separate podcast that has to deal with absinthe. With the, and you've uh, been on it. I have been on it and as a guest, uh, but the, the other gentleman is Jerry's friend, Dan, and they are both extremely funny together. 
And so if, if you're into, you know, alcohol at all, it's just, it's very entertaining to listen to. Um, and if you maybe find, you know, our show semi-fascinating, um, it's even, it's even better. I, I think it's, it's wildly <laughs> no, entertaining. No, um, and I highly recommend you, you check it out. Dear listener, we're going to pause for a moment to allow space for a sponsor message, which may or may not show up depending on some mysterious algorithm. We'll be right back. Hey, Jerry here. As some of you may have guessed, part of my day job involves setting up and maintaining websites. Recently, I had a project where I needed to convert an older website to WordPress, and part of the challenge was choosing the perfect website hosting service. I did a lot of research, and I finally chose DreamHost. Not only is DreamHost widely recognized, but they're the number one recommended hosting service by WordPress themselves. And WordPress has their own web hosting service, but they still wholeheartedly endorse DreamHost. Well, since then, I discovered I like DreamHost so much that I moved all my personal websites to DreamHost, including the blog for this podcast. And it is my great pleasure to have DreamHost be an affiliate sponsor to this show, and we can offer you, our listeners, $50 off if you sign up using our link. Now, we chose them, they didn't choose us. We wanted them specifically as a sponsor. So, if you are wanting to set up a website or a blog, and especially if you want to use WordPress, the easiest and most trusted content management system out there, just go to acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost and sign up. Once again, if you use our link, you'll end up with $50 off and you'll be helping our show. Remember that link, acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost and get your website up and running today. Okay, the space for a sponsor message has passed. And with that, we return to the show. Well, let's see. Getting getting back to acceptably real things. Mount Vesuvius didn't kill everyone in Papay. Where did the survivors go? go? I didn't even read this. Oh, and SpaceX sent up a robot test pilot. Did you read that? Did you, uh, about, I think it was called Ripley or... Are the I, I just I just scanned it. Did uh, you actually read it? Was it fascinating? It was interesting. I, I what do you mean you scanned it? You posted it. You posted it. You got to read these. Um, it I, is I interesting. I don't have time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, and actually, there was a, there was a, an article you posted both of them. Okay. I thought I posted the other one of them, but we do this a lot um, where. I, I find a lot of these articles, I put them in like a notepad, basically where I, I have these links that I find interesting and um, I'll, I'll schedule them on, on our Facebook page. Um, but Jerry also does this kind of same thing except with this other app. And and I see that I already had a, a link on my list that he's posted. So yeah, I take it off my list. But yeah. but basically we, we liked and we wanted to share the, the same post about this um, SpaceX uh, which, as you know, is Elon Musk's um, space company. Space yeah. company. Um, he's another had, guy. That's probably going to live forever. Yeah, I hope so, or something. He's he's, On Mars. he's a funny guy. Um, but it had this little not. I don't want to say creepy, although some sites did say it was creepy. But a little robotic rider, uh, passenger, if you will, and they named it Ripley. Um, uh-huh. After after Ripley from Alien, I I don't know if it was after Ripley from Alien, um, but uh, alongside the little robot, they they also put a plush toy, Earth, um, that was supposed to serve as one of the super high tech zero G indicator. I thought that was a, a funny way of of saying that, but it cause, but it's just a little plush toy, Earth, right? Um, basically, you know, when you're, when you're in zero G, you see it floating. Right. Uh Um, but I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I was real quick trying to find the purpose. Um, it's basically a mannequin really what it is. A mannequin with like sensors on it. And so that's why we say kind of robot, not really robot. Um, it, it, they're just trying to gauge how, how the ride of the dragon ship will be right. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's what they do in, in normal. Um, I think NASA does that for their test their rockets and stuff too. They'd have to. Um, but yeah, I, th I just thought it was interesting. You know, when you have a private space company, they, they can do things like this, like, you know, um, call it some pop culture name like Ripley. So I think that's cool. I, I bet you that they use the same type of test dummy when they have to crash their cars. They have to, you know, do the crash testing. You know what that reminds me of? I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, you remember, no, those crash remember those crash dummies? Yeah. You, you like all the, the commercials back in the day? Oh, yeah, in, yeah. Like, yeah. The 90s? Okay. Yeah. I used to have uh, crash dummy action figures when I was a kid. <laughs> those are awesome because you crash them into stuff they like pop open like the pieces would break off when you crash it was it was awesome but anyway that's macabre that's... <laughs> <It's totally good. laughs> yeah i know i know there was a there was a rock group called the crash test dummies really i didn't know that <laughs> i just throwing them in there oh did they dress up like the or they were they were just named I, it i don't remember <laughs> 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 I just remember there was a because I remember on the radio listening to songs by the Crash Test Dummies. Another quick aside: they're still around, or at least at the time of this recording, which is in 2019. You could go to CrashTestDummies.com. There they are. But then again, you also have oh, who was it? Um, um, uh, the the two guys who dressed up as robots to the point where everybody thought they were robots that that group they're still around daft punk daft punk you know they were actually in they they made cameos in star wars and stuff really yeah if you, you you look in the background they'll point them out they'll actually they brought them in and said yeah you could be some of the aliens i had to fact check this and yes it's true and they were also in tron legacy continuing on through our facebook links though ladies and gentlemen oh yeah um there was this one real interesting um, post I found about a computer programmer. I think it was a Cold War computer programmer. I'm just uh -huh. need to verify that. But his name was Dudley Buck. And Dudley was erased from history, so to speak. Um, there's this really good read. I really suggest you go look on our Facebook page and, and check it out. Um, basically, what, what the government... I think it was just the government was doing was they were photoshopping him, you know, pre Photoshop out of pictures and out of the books and research and whatnot. A little deeper dive into the story of Dr. Dudley Buck, who was a cold war computing pioneer. He was working on a superconductive early computer chip prototype called the cryotron at the time that he mysteriously passed away. Uh, also, Mysteriously, his close colleague passed away on the same day. Both of them were about to attend a top-secret meeting with U.S. officials regarding Project Lightning, an effort to build a code-cracking supercomputer that promised to be crucial in the Cold War. Dudley Buck had also worked as an undercover spy for the U.S. government and is believed to have been involved in Operation Paperclip, the secret program to bring top Nazi science and engineering talent to the U.S. As an electrical engineer at MIT in the 1950s, he was part of the team who invented the first RAM computer chip before going on to create an early version of the flash drive. So when Dr. Buck passed away, as well as his close colleague, Louis Reidenor, their death certificates both said they died of natural causes, but both undoubtedly bore the hallmarks of a KGB hit. Nobody really knows why the government tried to photoshop him or actually airbrush him out of history i just thought that was a uh, just that alone the idea that you can be almost erased from history like that is was was crazy to me right um so that's that kind of creepy very very creepy um and that's not something I want happen to me. So this this podcast is my way of, of staying <laughs> immortal, ladies and gentlemen. But there there are pictures of, of this guy actually. So they, they didn't truly succeed. But you know nobody's heard of this guy. He just got airbrushed from history. Um, and there's there's very very few people who are even around that are able to verify any of the the things that he did. 
he actually worked as an undercover spy for the U.S. government, and he he just did a lot of crap. He was a computer, you know, engineer, and he was a pioneer pioneering computer scientist. The headline says, um, they they called him the the little. The headline says the mysterious death of the little known Forrest Gump of Cold War computing, um, <laughs> and and so I I it's just it's just crazy. And can you imagine that though? Like if you. I don't want to say what's the point of, of living if nobody remembers you. I mean, that's why I write books. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. That's too depressing. Yeah. Retract what I was about to say. Um, moving on. Anybody, um, anybody read anything about the uh, new breed of wingman drones that will fly with piloted military jets? What's the point? That's what I thought when I when I put that up there. I mean, what's the point? You know, uh, I mean, if if it's a drone, why would you need a pilot? Well, I mean, they escort the pilots. So so if some enemy fighter is coming after them, these other ones will like like oh. it's, it's, it's like it's like um uh, you're I don't know enough football terminology, but they protect your quarterback basically. And so they go around and they interfere with other jets that might be trying to shoot them down. Yeah. But it, I was, I looked at that and I just thought Cylons. That's exactly what they look like too. Yeah. If you're listening and you can't, for whatever reason, look at pictures of these, they look like, you know, these silver-esque futuristic looking things. It just reminds you of the Cylons. Facebook.com slash acceptably real, all one word. You can go and go, go like our page and join it. And you can see all the things that we post. Yeah. Because we post things there and then talk about it. Um, but that ties into that other thing I posted where there was a report that the military, and I don't remember all the exact parts of the thing, but the military has an AI that is so, so smart that they are afraid to ever release it. Dear, dear listeners, I'm, I'm glad that I went back to fact check this because apparently I was, my memory was a little bit of, let's say hazy on the subject, but it does say scientists, not the military scientists developed an AI so advanced, they say it's too dangerous to release, but all it really does is it predicts with very great accuracy or actually convincing accuracy, not accuracy what the next word will be in a sentence, <laughs> but it, it's dangerous. It, so l- let me just read a bit from this article that's from uh, sciencealert.com. It is trained. So it's, it's called GPT-2. It's trained with a simple objective, predict the next word given all of the previous words within some text, just predicts the next, the next word. And it, uh, they say to fuel GP2's imagination, they provided their AI text generator with a data set of 8 million web pages and let it absorb them. Once it's finished, it can then converse on the topic as it understands it and generate random but convincing gibberish. Whether the subject is celebrity news, climate change, the Civil War, or Tolkien-inspired fan fiction. So here's uh, a few examples. Human prompt. Miley Cyrus was caught shoplifting from Abercrombie & Fitch on Hollywood Boulevard today. So the AI says, The 19-year-old singer was caught on camera being escorted out of the store by security guards. The singer was wearing a black hoodie with the label Blurred Lines on the front and Fashion Police on the back. The AI wrote that. It just wrote it. Okay, here's another one. Human prompt. Recycling is good for the world. No, you could not be more wrong. Okay, that's what the human prompt is. The AI took that and said, recycling is not good for the world. It is bad for the environment. It is bad for our health. And it is bad for our economy. I'm not kidding. Recycling is not good for the environment. It is destructive to the earth. And it is a major contributor to global warming. The AI wrote that. 
The program, GBT, wrote that. The AI wrote that. And that's why they consider it dangerous, because if they release it, imagine it could fill the entire internet with very realistic and convincing sounding gibberish, which, if you actually think about it, that's what is already on the internet. I'm not sure if it was the same the same article, but there was something else that happened where they, I, I don't know if it was one of the smarties in Silicon Valley, but they made this pretty much AI chatbot, right? Maybe this is the same thing, so tell me if it is. Um, where basically it started like communicating in like the alt right format and, and started being like a, a racist and and saying crazy, crazy, scary things like that. So oh, they had they had to turn it off. <laughs> and so that basically tells us that artificial intelligence is too scary and we should never <laughs> go that way. Uh, I've got to find it now because. Um... Uh, what what I got from it? Oh, we are posting the same thing over, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah, that's cool. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you see something on our Facebook twice, it's because both he and I liked it. <laughs> but it's cool. We just we just want to remind you, even if you've read it before, that's just our way of being like, I know you read it, read it again. It's that interesting. You saw? Have you seen this? Where Microsoft pretty much signed a deal with the military about their new HoloLens technology. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the Microsoft techs were upset about it because they didn't want to work for a company that was military or weaponized company, you know, that, that would, that where their work would end up in people's death. Um, I don't know, man. I, oh. I, at some point, like there should, I think there should be a separation there, you know, but that, again, that's another topic. And maybe that's maybe a, a Jerry Joe live session. Or we just we just chat live at a bar in front of a bunch of bar patrons, and they that would be interesting. <laughs> I'd love to do that. That would be pretty fun. Joe posted a hyper realistic silicon uh, sculpture, uh, giving us a glimpse of what the Roman Emperor Nero actually looked like, and he looked like quite the dork. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> hilarious. Uh... Yeah, I love that neck beard. <laughs> He looks like a, a weird, weird character from, I don't know, some weird video game. Like, have you ever played Fable? <laughs> it, it looks like a weird, dorky Fable character. No. But, um, Give him pointy ears, he could live in uh, Hyrule. <laughs> uh, oh, Zelda. Oh, Zelda. Well. Sorry, um, I always bring him back to Zelda. Um, yeah, my, my future wife looks like Zelda, Princess Zelda. Yeah, she does. Um, oh, the, the, so you agree? Yeah, I, I played through the game because I remember that was before I had a Switch. Uh-huh. Um, and you, at that time, were playing throughout the whole thing. or uh, um, You were playing through that game, Breath of the Wild. And then you, you ended up um, relieving yourself from the system because you were playing too much of it, I recall. Yeah. Um, but I, I picked it up after that, um, and I played it, and I just, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm, uh, Nikki's a very beautiful, beautiful lady, and I don't deserve her, but um, it just so happens that I have her, and I am not anywhere near as handsome as Link, um, or any of the uh, <laughs> oh, come on. in the game. But, she but, loves you. Yeah. So I lucked out in that regard. You know, I she's if she ever got mad at me when I played the game, I'd be like, Nikki, but I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you. And Did you it really? would all Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> snail. Giant yeah, giant snails as pets. Yeah. That was that's creepy looking. I know. I that's gotta be photoshopped. I don't. I don't know. I, I've never. I don't know any snails that big. Uh, but, but oh, how... in um, I know they have basketball-sized snails in New Zealand. Oh, really? Land snails. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go there when I was a teenager. <laughs> Land snails. Hang on. I'm. I'm looking at um, land snails as pets. How about the giant bee that was lost for decades, but they found it again, and it's like. The size of a man's thumb. That's scary. 
Yeah, it is. Especially with those giant mandibles on it. Ugh. <laughs> oh, uh, what other topics do we have up here? Flying dinos. So um, this is just an interesting topic because there's a lady in North Carolina who claims to have seen flying dinosaurs. One lady has seen these. And it to me, I don't know, it almost bothered me that because if, if you were driving in North Carolina or West Virginia or Ohio or Iowa and you stopped at a gas station and a lady told you she saw three flying dinosaurs, would you take her at her word or would you be skeptical? I would, uh, I would think she either misinterpreted what she was seeing or she was um, um, wanting attention. Hmm. That wouldn't Same. believe her, basically. Me neither. Um, and I, I just thought it was interesting because somebody wrote this whole article about it. And I, to me, I was just like, why are you writing about this? Unless you're just, you know, I don't know, trying to draw enough some conspiracy. Well, you people. know, they, they, there was, um, I, I wish I could remember the names of the scientists, but for the longest time, um, there was contention in the scientific community about whether or not pterodactyls could actually fly. Right. Okay. They just thought, Oh, they jump and glide. They can't actually take off and fly. Um, so this, um, one guy actually built a, um, fairly large scale replica, um, and, and powered it and it flew. It flew just fine. It was, it was perfectly aerodynamic. And so maybe someone's flying a model pterodactyl around and scaring the bejesus out of poor little old ladies. <laughs> I'll possible. do it. Cause I, I, they do exist. The models do. Hey, how about the strange Island that, um, that popped up in the middle of that lake? The, mer the, are you talking about the Mirage one? Yeah. That would be freaky. Yeah. I've seen mirages. They are, they're like having a hallucination. Have you, it's like, is this the same kind of thing you think as people who've, who say they saw like castles in the sky? Yeah. Like that's pretty much the same kind of concept, right? I mean, yeah, this was in Finland. I think that's where you're, you're talking about. Um, but there's a huge landmass basically rising out of ice sheets, uh -huh. um, which, which is what it ended up being. Um, but it's just pretty bizarre because um, nobody encountered any sight or sound of any volcanic activity, which creates, you know, rock formations or might explain that. Um, oh, I, I just thought it was um, light bending around the curvature of the earth and make that. That's how most of them appear. Like you could see all sorts of bizarre things under certain circumstances out on the open sea. And what you're doing is you're actually seeing something that's on the other side of the horizon. But the way the light is hitting it and the way there's like some sort of temperature inversion creates a lens effect and yeah. it will bend the light up and around. So you're seeing over the horizon and it just looks like it's floating, like floating islands and stuff. And that's, that's probably where a lot of those uh, old myths and legends came from with uh, you know, like islands in the sky and you know, all that. I'm sure. Stuff. I'm sure. I mean, if we had no scientific knowledge of, of optics and, and saw something like that, I would just, I would freak out. Right. Me too. I mean, that, that's a whole nother thing, but just think of all the, the crazy things, you know, sailors encountered, you know, that, that sound crazy when you read it, but then you realize, Oh, it's, it's just some normal typical thing like a mirage, yeah. you know, or a sea monster. It's, Oh, it's just an oarfish, or, you know, or, big crazy whale i don't know but interesting or, stuff yeah chernobyl well chernobyl whale. <laughs> looks uh, different yeah hey here's something we could end on um there's a picture that we put up there about a police uh Please tweet a video of a strange light emerging from a thunderstorm and everybody's going, it's a flying saucer. It's a flying saucer. It's a freaking lens flare. 
I saw that. I saw I saw your quick comment on that too. Um, how Jared. how many lens flare UFOs are out there? I mean, even the ones in space where they're like, "Look, we see this thing. It's it's there. It's in like that's a lens flare in the camera." That's what they want you to think, Jerry. It's that's the the government has disguised UFOs as lens flares. Come on, man, you are behind the times here. You are just so far behind. The, the government has <laughs> mandated that you create lenses that make flares in your own personal photos, so that you think that all UFOs are actually lens flares. Yeah, they're they're distracting you from yeah. <laughs> from something. Lens well, flares and processed sugar. I'll tell you what, lens flares are acceptably real. Damn straight. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for joining us here on this episode of Acceptably Real Podcast. If you're listening to this on Anchor FM, there's a way to send messages back to us through that amazing app of theirs. So, if you've got some comments, questions, or even better, suggestions for future topics, send them our way. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you've enjoyed listening, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. It also encourages us to keep going. So, until next time, this is Jerry, signing off.